بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على المبعوث رحمة للعالمين وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد From the Book of Wisdoms we're on page 205 and this is the wisdom or aphorism number 169 from Ibn Ata'illah al-Iskandari rahimahullah This is what he says here um, the previous one was a bit complicated, a very high-level aphorism. This one uh, is a lot more easier to understand and uh, has a really, really profound point. He says, "Inayatuhu fika la li shayim minka, inayatuhu fika la li shayim mink, wa aina kunta hina wa jahadka inayatuh, wa qabalatka riayatuh, lam yakun fi azalihi ikhlasu a'malin." وَلَا وَجُودُ أَحْوَالٍ بَلْ لَمْ يَكُنْ هُنَاكَ إِلَّا مَحْضُ الْإِفْضَالِ وَعَظِيمُ النَّوَالِ So really interesting idea. He says, what he's saying essentially is that if you think that it's what you do that's going to get you somewhere, that it's all based on what you do, now we know that we have to do something because that essentially gets the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala applied to us. But if you think it's what you do that's going to get you somewhere, then where were you when he created you first, when he decided that you were going to come into this world, and when he created you, when you were in the stomach, when you were as an embryo, and when you were a little child, a little infant, what did you do then that he had to, that all of his grace is coming because of something you've done? Like right now, we have the ability to do things. So we think that he's going to have to give us, and his grace only comes because of, you know, what we can do or what we can do. But where were we when he started, when he'd already decided to create us, and then he created us? We weren't even around. We couldn't even think properly at that time. So that's kind of where he's looking at. I mean, he discusses all angles. I mean, when you read the whole book of the wisdoms, by that time you'll really get to understand our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So with each one, he provides a greater refinement of that understanding. So this is what he says. His providential care of you is not due to anything coming from you. Where were you when he confronted you with his providence? or met, your, met you face to face with his care. When he turned his care to you and he gave his providence to you, where were you then? Neither sincerity of deeds nor the existence of states have any being in his eternity. Instead, it's only pure bestowing and sublime giving from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now this isn't to be confused that our sincerity does nothing. He's just saying that once you do have sincerity, shaitan should now... You see, shaitan comes at different angles, different levels. So initially, if somebody heard this who's nowhere, he's going to think, okay, forget it. Let's not do anything because it all comes from God anyway. But the point here is that once we've gotten to a place where we're doing some worship to save us now from a misunderstanding that, oh, it's our worship, it's our sincerity that's going to get us somewhere. Well, they do get us somewhere, but in the grand realm of things, it's all from the grace of Allah anyway. Because He didn't have to allow us to be sincere. 
if we didn't make an effort. It's like, okay, so if everything's written, what do we do? Always this decree aspect comes into this. But the simple idea is that when we're doing something, it shows that we're doing something. It shows that we're on the right path because that's a sign that His grace is upon us. The ability, the guidance, the fact that we're believers, the fact that we're concerned, the fact that we're sitting here and listening today, all of that is a grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala anyway. And this, that is just some, hopefully some sign and proof that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's grace is upon us. We have enough verses in the Qur'an and hadith from the Prophet sallallahu to probably such a, it's so definitively known, like there's no doubt about it, that whatever Allah wills, that's what's going to happen. And whatever He does not will, it will not happen. I mean, this is very clearly stated in the Quran. Now, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has intended already, He didn't intend now. He didn't see that somebody's made an effort now, so then He said, okay, I'm going to give you this. Allah did this from eternity. He knew from eternity because His decision to do something or not to do something, to give something or not to give something, is based on his knowledge. And his knowledge is eternal from before. He's always had it. So there's no way we can say that he decided to give us this because of my deeds or whatever, the rewards or whatever. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows from before and he's made those decisions for us because he knows what we're going to do anyway. Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so he says in the Quran, in another verse, ما أصابت, sorry, ما أصاب من مصيبة فِي الْأَرْضِ وَلَا فِي أَنفُسِكُمْ إِلَّا فِي كِتَابٍ مِّنْ قَبْلِ أَنَّ نَبْرَأَهَا إِنَّ ذَلِكَ عَلَى اللَّهِ يَسِيرٌ Surah Al-Hadith, verse 22. Any calamity that comes to you on the earth or in yourself, so a sickness for example, a major internal conflict, whatever it is that happens inside us or outside, in the earth or in ourselves, all of that's been written down already. I've explained this so many times, it's been written down because Allah knew what's going to happen with us. But there's obviously certain things like sickness, we don't choose sickness, do we? Like it's not, we don't choose, we catch viruses because Allah decides so. Nowadays you catch a lot of other stuff. Some people just wake up in the morning and they don't think they believe in Allah anymore. It's a really weird virus going around. It's really strange, that's what we're hearing from people. People wake up in the morning and they think they're in the wrong gender. It's really strange. Like literally, that's what some people are telling us that this is what's happened to somebody I know. He was fine until now and then today he's woken up and he's saying that this is what he is or inclined to this or um, has these other ideas or whatever the case is. It's almost like you're saying like, how does it happen so suddenly? So there's no fortune and there's no misfortune except with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Subhanallah. Right? He's shaped it for us. All these external and internal factors that make, a, that make a difference to the way we think and we choose. We still choose at the end of the day, we are choosing. But we are going to choose according to what we have around us and how we feel. And if you want to go out tomorrow somewhere and you've made all the decision. But then you wake up tomorrow with a really, really splitting headache or with a really stomach bug, you know, a really bad stomach bug, you're going to decide not to go anymore. 
It's your choice. It's our choice. But where did this stomach bug come from? We all ate the same food. Why did I get a stomach and you didn't? Subhanallah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's decisions are everywhere and they're part of everything. Now, when th those who really get an understanding of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala realize that, they make their best effort in the world, but they no longer have any grief. They no longer feel any sadness over something that they may have lost. They make their effort to get what they think is beneficial for them because we have to. You have to go out to work. You have to try to earn a living. You have to try to make an effort. Right? That is all there. It's not going to come to you. But if they lose something, okay, it's not going to grieve them too much because they know Allah has made certain decisions and that if that's what it is, it's going to be it. If I want a certain car, if I want to marry a certain person, if I want to buy a certain house, but then I lose it. I had all my emotion attached to it. That's the biggest made mistake I made in the first place. Why did I do that? Let me get it first, then let me get emotional about it. But unfortunately, these days, we get emotional about things before we get them. That's the biggest mistake and then that's why there's so much grief in the world right now. We're going after things that we can't, don't necessarily need sometimes or can't get or may not get. So we don't manage those things. And that's why there's a lot of problems. So that's why he's saying also another thing is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's gifts to you are not because of anything that you have done for him. Because if that was the case, then we would not have even been here. Because what did we give to him to make us be here in the first place before we came here? Nothing. We just had no control. We had no way to give him anything. It's only now we feel like we've got some volition to do something. So we feel like we're giving him something. There's nothing. All of these years, then what happened then? So this is the trip that he takes us through. This is the journey that he's going to remind us about. He's saying that his decisions about you about, and his knowledge about you came prior to your existence. And where were you when he first made decisions about you? That you were going to come into this world and this was going to happen to you. You were going to live for this many years and you were going to die at this age and you were going to earn this much and you were going to live in this place and that place and so on and so forth. Where were you then? Right. And then when he had decided to bring you into the world. No, actually before that, where were you when he manifested himself in front of you and all human beings and he said, aren't I your Lord? And you said, of course you are. Where were you then? What, were you, what had you given him to allow you to say that and recognize him? Thereafter that, when he had you in the darknesses of the stomach, and you were in embryonic stage, had no idea what was going on. Your parents did, but you had no idea what was going on. Who fed you then? Who nourished you then? Made up that whole system of the womb and the stomach and everything else to provide you the nourishment for those several months, the nine months that, you're, that we are there, making it so comfortable and so secure. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows you to come into this world after you're strong enough to withstand this world generally. So your limbs are formed and everything. So you come out and even then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you the ability now, you know how to suckle, you know how to eat, you know how to breathe, you know how to do all of these things. 
What did we give him for all of that before that? What did we give him? That's why when some of the people who recognize this, some of our forbearers, when they recognize this, they've come up with these various different expressions. It's really interesting to hear their perspective on this. When they just call out to Allah, they figured this out. So a poet says, فَلَا عَمَلٌ مِّنِّي إِلَيْهِ إِكْتَسَبْتُهُ سِوَى مَهْضِ فَضْلٍ لَا بِشَيْءٍ يُعَلَّلُ Which basically means that there's no deed that, that's come from me. There's no action that's come from me that which I've earned myself. There's no action which I have acquired or earned uh, to give to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Except it's just pure grace. It's just absolute pure grace from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and not anything that you can provide a cause or a reason for. It's purely from Him. He decided it. That's why today it's here that you and I sit and not somebody else. We could have been nothing in oblivion, non-existent or somewhere else. We've had a chance at this world as, as bad as the world can be. But we've got a chance because the world can be very good as well because the next world is the good, is the good place, insha'Allah. Another person says, another poet says, وَكُنْتُ قَدِيمًا أَطْلُبُ الْوَصْلَ مِنْهُ وَكُنْتُ قَدِيمًا أَطْلُبُ الْوَصْلَ مِنْهُمْ فَلَمَّا أَتَانِ الْعِلْمُ وَارْتَفَعَ الْجَهْلُ عَلِمْتُ بِأَنَّ الْعَبْدَ لَا طَلَبٌ لَهُ فَإِنْ قَرُوبُوا فَضْلٌ وَإِنْ بَعُدُوا عَدْلٌ وَإِنْ أَظْهَرُوا لَمْ يُظْهِرُوا غَيْرَ وَصْفِهِمْ وَإِذَا سَتَرُوا فَالسِّتْرُ مِنْ أَجْلِهِمْ يَحْلُوا Essentially what he's saying is that before I was the one who was trying my hardest to try to acquire a connection with them. But then when I received the knowledge, meaning when I got this realization, when it finally dawned on me the reality of matters and the ignorance dissipated, I realized that there is nothing that the servant can acquire himself. If the servant becomes close to Allah, that's a grace from Allah. If the servant doesn't get close to Allah and remains far off, then that's still his justice. Because it's going to be because of a sin we've committed. It's still his justice. He's not the one forcing us to go wrong. It's because we've committed a sin. Allah doesn't necessarily have to push anybody astray. They just go astray when he just says, I'm not going to assist you anymore. I'm no longer going to support you. He says, so when people then reveal certain things about them, that's just their own characteristics that they're revealing. And if they're able to conceal some of their bad characteristics, well, that's really a beautiful and a very sweet concealment from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Another poem says, قَدْ كُنْتُ أَحْسِبُ أَنَّ وَصْلَكَ يُشْتَرَى بِنَفَائِسِ الْأَمْوَالِ وَالْأَرْبَاحِ وَظَنَنْتُ جَهْلًا أَنَّ حُبَّكَ هَيِّنٌ تُفْنَى عَلَيْهِ كَرَائِمُ الْأَرْوَاحِ حَتَّى رَأَيْتُكَ تَجْتَبِي وَتَخُصُّ مَنْ تَخْتَارُهُ بِلَطَائِفِ الْإِمْنَاحِ فَعَلِمْتُ أَنَّكَ لَا تُنَالُ بِحِيلَةٍ فَلَوَيْتُ رَأْسِي تَحْتَ الطَّيِّ جَنَاحِ وَجَعَلْتُ فِي عُشِّ الْغَرَامِ إِقَامَتِي فِيهِ غُدُوِّي دَائِمًا وَرَوَاحِي He says, before I used to think that we could make, we could purchase and buy closeness to you somehow. 
could buy it. Meaning make an effort and I can go and buy something, save up the money and go and buy something like that. With the best of wealth and profits, I could buy my closeness to you. And in ignorance, I thought that your love was easy. That it was an easy thing, it was an easy deal that I could make. Until I saw how you choose and select among people. How you choose and select who you want. Right? How it's made easy for certain people. So then that's when I realized that there's no strategy. It's just pure grace. Pure grace from Allah. So that's when I rolled my head under the roll of my side, which means, and I essentially made my place in a, in a way that I left it all to you. Now, what that means is that it's all from His grace. That doesn't mean that we, ha we, we don't ask Him for His grace. So we ask Him for His grace. We ask Him for His grace is exactly what He wants. He doesn't want us to become misled by the deeds that we do. We do the deeds, but then we ask for His grace. We can't not do deeds and say, give me your grace because we're not doing what He's told us to do. But we can't then just do our deeds and rely on them. It's very similar. It's kind of similar to what we talked about last time. But it's a very kind of fine, delicate um, understanding that you need to have. Otherwise, you could be misunderstanding it. So he's saying that at the end of the day, it comes from your grace. So we have to ask him for his grace. It's all up to Allah. Allah, make it easy for me. I'm going to make my full effort, but it's your grace at the end of the day. So we make all this effort and then it's up to him what he gives us on top of it. Because it's not through that that we deserve anything. But that's a sign that inshallah his grace is with us. Because we've seen that everybody who's got a wonderful death, who's had that you know, wonderful moments at, at, at death and people then have seen even glad tidings about them, they seem to have done a lot of worship. They seem to have spent a lot of nights crying to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that was the sign of grace upon them. Anyway, so then the idea is that wilaya, this is essentially wilaya. The person Allah has chosen, he becomes a wali of Allah. Those, the one who's been taken under the wing, who's been cared for by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if you're cared for by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you get facilitated. If you go somewhere and you know the boss, you know, you, you go around and you go around with quite a lot of independence, quite a lot of confidence, because you know that the, the people at the top, they're looking after you, they're looking out for you. It's that kind of a situation. But these people are humble. It doesn't make them arrogant. You know? Somebody asked Dhun Noon, the Egyptian, famous Egyptian uh, ascetic, Bima arafta rabbak, how did you recognize Allah? When did you get your recognition of Allah? He said, I recognize Allah by Allah. I recognize my Lord through my Lord. I didn't, meaning there was nothing I did to recognize Him. It was, He is the one. I mean, He's, you see, this is what it is that they are attributing everything to Allah. You think He didn't make an effort to understand Allah? Of course He did. When you hear His story and His life story, He was making a lot of efforts. But He's saying that that wasn't it. It's up to Allah who gave it to me. I could have done all of that and He couldn't have given it to me. He wouldn't have given it to me. So he's willing to say right now, it's all your grace still. That doesn't mean he didn't make an effort. But it's just that it's all from Allah. Everything, everything is from Allah.
And he says, because Lola Rabbi Ma'araftu Rabbi. If my Lord did not exist, I would not have recognized him. Can you see how it's just everything is Allah? Everything is about Allah. I only learned about Allah through Allah, and had it not been for Allah, I wouldn't I mean had had it not been for Allah, I would not have known him. Somebody asked Ali radiallahu anhu, did you recognize Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, Like through his telling you only. Or did you recognize Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam through Allah? Like what a tricky question that is. Did you find out about Allah through Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam? Did you find out about Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam through Allah? Like what is it? Like who came first I guess? How do you work that out? So then this is the way he responded to it. He says that if I had recognized Allah through Muhammad sallallahu then I wouldn't have worshipped Allah. And Muhammad sallallahu would have been the more the, the 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 target of my reliance. That's where I would have had all my reliance compared to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, more than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But it was Allah who gave me recognition of himself. It was Allah who defined himself to me, who revealed himself to me. And I recognize Muhammad through Allah as well. Turning everything back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, you know, I'm going to give you about five or six different manifestations of what happens to people when they get this recognition. May Allah grant us. But that's what he says. For the, all of them, the one thing that happens to all of them, but then they manifest it differently, is that they stop worrying about dunyawi things. They stop hankering after the world. They still, they do their needs. I need to earn my living. I need to get a car. I need to have a house and children, spouse. It's a, all of that has to happen. But it's just much more relaxed. There's no, there's no depression after that. La ilaha illallah. He says, they now go into the shade of what? Shade of Allah is in the hereafter, but there's another shade he has for these people in this world. The shade he has for these people in this world is the shade of contentment and satisfaction. They're just satisfied. They've got so much to thank Allah for. Isn't all the grief in the world due to dissatisfaction? Like pretty much most of it. I can't get this, I lost this, I didn't do this. I mean, it's... La ilaha illallah. And he says, for them, they are receiving the cool breeze from the gardens of knowing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. However, while that's something they all share, they manifest it differently. So it's like the water is the same in the field, but it's going to produce different flowers. The seeds may even look all the same, but mashallah, they all produce different flowers. Al-ma'u wahidun wa zahru alwanu. The water is one, but the flowers are all look, looking different, even though it's been fed from the same. What a qudrat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How, do you, how does he take a life, how does he bring a life from something. Now think about this. Imam Ahmad was asked about Allah, about the existence of Allah, prove the existence of Allah. He said, think of this fortified 
absolutely protected fort, like a safe place. It has no door, it has no window. There's no exit or entry. How strong is that? How fortified is that? Nobody can get in, nobody can get out. You can't get anything stronger than that. On its outer side, it is smooth, so you can't even climb up it. Like it's so smooth, it's silvery smooth. And inside, it's like gold. But then suddenly, from there comes a life. Does anybody know what we're speaking about? You, 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 you have this stuff every day. And something comes out of it. A life comes out of it. What is it? What are we talking about? It's an egg. When you think of an egg, I mean, every day you're having eggs, but a life comes out of it if it's been kept incubated at a certain temperature. The same eggs that you eat, most likely if it's from the right breed, you keep them in a, at a certain temperature and a life will come out of that. There's no entry point. There's no exit, nothing. But then there's a chicken that hatches from there with the blood and bones and everything. What a qudrat of Allah. That's absolutely amazing. Tree. It has leaves. And that's the food for silkworms. And they produce silk. The musk deer eats it and produces musk. And other, the, the normal animal eats it and produces dung. It's the same thing, but Allah gives. For me, the seeds are the most amazing. How a small seed has so much packed in there that it comes up and it becomes an amazing tree uniquely different from the other tree and yet the seeds look very, 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 very similar. It's like, how do you do that? And there was no laboratory that was produced in. There was, didn't, it wasn't engineered. Like in this world, nobody's engineered it. It's still trying to figure that one out. So the way they manifest all of this some of these people, you will see that they are constantly in awe of Allah. Like they're constantly in awe of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like that's their real big characteristic. And the reason for that is whoever becomes even more knowledgeable about Allah, who gets to know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala more, his awe of Allah increases. It's like, wow, what am I compared to Allah? Nothing, right? All that confidence goes. And then whoever gets that, they're going to be more fearful of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because Allah says, إِنَّمَا يَخْشَ اللَّهِ مِنْ عِبَادِهِ الْعُلَمَاءِ Those who truly fear Allah are the knowers, the alims, the knowers of Allah. So some people, you'd see a lot of fear on them, right? Others are fearful as well, but not to this level. They're just a dominance of fear. This impacts them in different ways. Some of them, it actually just increases their eagerness even more. I think the Prophet ﷺ manifested all of these things in different times. Sometimes he's got a lot of fear. Sometimes he's got just passion that he stands and the shukr stands in prayer. So that's what some of them are like. Because some of them, their desire for Allah just increases to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They want to be in the haram all the time. They want to be in Makkah. Not to stay in the hotels and enjoy that, but just to be close to Allah. They could be in some real rubbish place, but that's fine, they're in Makkah. They want to become a Jarullah. And lots of people have done that, and they still do that. 
it's, it was much easier before, obviously, just turned up there and just stayed there. But now, obviously, it's a bit more complicated and it's expensive. But in some people, that's just what they do. They have ishtiyak. This is called shauk. This passion, this love, and this desire, this earnestness to be with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And for such a person, the dunya will just be claustrophobic. They don't want to be in this world. And it's like, man, I want to get out of here. I want to go to Allah. And you've seen that in some of the hadith about the Sahaba. When some of the battles used to take place and like, we're just going. We want to be with Allah. It's a big decision. You can't make that easily. To leave things of this world. Right? That's why Sariya Saqati, one of the other ascetics, he says that one of the highest levels of the Arif one of the highest levels of the knower of Allah is shawk, is this desire. Just, you know when you want to just do something, I just want to go, I just want to meet this person. I just want to meet, it's like constantly, 24 hours, you just want to go there. And then you wrap everything up and you go, okay, I'm going to go. Right. Some people just want to leave town, they want to go somewhere else. Some people they just want to go and meet somebody else. They want to go to another country or whatever the case is. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, in a hadith Qudsi, I think, he says, Among my servants, there are some of my servants. So among my servants, there's some of my servants. I love them and they love me. I'm really earnest to meet them and they are really earnest to meet me. That's a level above. I remember them and they remember me. In all of this, he's saying, I remember them, I do this for them first. Not that they do it first, then I do. Allah is giving them a lot of grace. I am looking at them and they are looking at me. Of course, they don't see Allah as in, there's no physical thing for them to see, but they see me everywhere. They see me in action everywhere, and I see them. And then, they are such people that, man salaka tariqahum ahbabtuhu. Anybody who follows their path and is like them, who follows their path with them, I love those people as well. Now you see, this is where we get an understanding that why we're told to sit in the company of the righteous. Because there's a special attention upon them. They're getting the shower of blessing. And if we're close to them, we might get a bit of the sprinkle, the, you know, the, the splashes of that. So here it's saying that whoever follows their path, then I love those people as well. And whoever turns away from these people, abandons people, enmity with these people, then I, that's my anger upon those people. So then somebody said, our Lord, what's the sign of these people? Because it's all a very internal thing, isn't it? Like, how do you know somebody's happening like that? There's no meter, there's no gauge you can take to figure out. And it starts beeping when you get close to a righteous person. That'd be really wonderful, to be honest, because there's a lot of charlatans out there. So imagine if you could take something and then it just told you, no, 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 this is not where you go, right? What is their sign? Subhanallah. Their sign is that they just can't wait for the day to end. During the daytime, they're doing their things or whatever that they have to do, right? They have to look after their sheep or whatever they have to do at their work or whatever. But they're just waiting for the ghurub shams for the sun to, to set. Just like birds at the end of the day want to go back after, they're, after they've gone out to look for food uh, For their little ones They want to go back 
when the sky becomes overcast and when the night covers everything with its darkness and when everybody's bedding is laid out and everybody's now with their beloved enjoying their times these are the people who now stand up on their feet and they have directed their gaze in my direction and they are intimately discoursing with me what else is love besides that how else can you express love to Allah that's the time he's told me if you want to meet me that's the time it's the Hajjah time Allah make it easy for us Allah make it easy for us that's the time talk to me then that's when I'm free I'm free all the time but that's when you get real personal time they are then earnestly seeking my my bounty and my grace some of them are shrieking, some of them are crying. There's some of them who are saying, oh, oh, you know, making a sound of, uh, of sorrow. And others uh, uh, of some complaint or the other, oh Allah, I, I have this issue, I have that issue. There's some who are standing, there's some who are sitting. Some are in ruku, some are in sujood. He says, بِعَيْنِي مَا يَتَحَمَّلُونَ مِنْ أَجْلِي It's within my sight, all the difficulties that they're undertaking. It's not easy for them to wake up at night. They've got to go work in the morning. The nights are short. The nights are weird. Fajr is at weird times in these latitudes. I completely know it's in my gaze what they are undertaking for, for my sake. And it's in my hearing, I'm here, it's within earshot, the complaints they're making or the, the, what they're asking for. So then he says, there are three things I give these people. Inshallah, these are the three things we'll get for tahajjud. Right? Number one, I'm going to I'm going to instill in their hearts my light. My light, and that's why they say in tahajjud, it brightens the face, it brightens the person, the nur comes in and so on. That's the time when it's got the greater sales are on for the light. It's not even sales, it's free offer. So, They're now, they can actually speak about me and inform others about me because they've got the light and it works. Number two, La ilaha illallah. If they had the heavens and the earth and everything in their, in their pan, then, you know, I, I would give them weight, right? Um, number three, I turn to them with my full attention. I'm fully attuned to them with my attention. And do you know that anybody who I turn my attention to, right, I give him whatever he wants. Do you know, I mean, do you think I would not give him what I want if I've turned my attention to them? With, with everything that I have at my disposal to give what I want. So, Ibrahim ibn Adham, rahimahullah, he says once, I no longer felt that desire to Allah. He had the passion. But sometimes it goes, so I didn't have it anymore. So who's he going to complain to except Allah? So he said, Ya Rab, if there's anything that you give, to any of your lovers that would comfort their heart, 
before they can meet you. Like if there's anything that you've given to any of your lovers that would give them comfort in their hearts before they meet you, then give me that thing so that I can get some comfort. Because I'm always under turbulence with the, in this regard. So then he says that after I'd made that dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that plea to Allah, I saw in my dream, in my night, he's actually made me stand in front of him. And he said, Ibrahim, aren't you ashamed of me that you asked me to give you that which is going to remove your passion for me before you come to me? Like you're telling me to make you satisfied so that you no longer have that passion, you give me contentment? Aren't you ashamed to ask about that? If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could say that to us. I mean, he was special, so he, this is what he said. Then Allah says, وَهَلْ يَسْكُنُ الْمُشْتَاقِ قَبْلَ لِقَاءِ حَبِيبِهِ Can ever anybody who has that desire for their beloved, can he ever be satisfied without meeting the beloved? That means you don't, you don't love them enough anymore if you begin, okay, now I can deal with it. The true love is just bowls you overboard. فَقُلْتُ يَا رَبِّي So then Ibrahim ibn Adham said, My Lord, I messed up. Tuhtu. I, I messed up. فَلَمْ أَدْرِ مَا أَقُولَ I don't know what to say. I did not know what to say. Forgive me. وَعَلِّمْنِي مَا أَقُولَ Now teach me what to say. So then Allah said, say, Allahumma raddini bi qada'ik. Oh Allah, make me satisfied with your decree. Wasabbirni ala bala'ik. And give me the patience upon your, kala, uh, upon your tests that you shower upon me. Wa'uzi'ni shukra na'ma'ik. And give me the, enable me to thank you for your blessings. La ilaha illallah. La ilaha illallah. There's a bit more, but we uh, will have to continue that next time, inshaAllah. But uh, subhanallah, so there's two things that we talked about today and one of them is that everything is from Allah and we have to just ask from Allah. We make our efforts but we have to constantly continue to ask Allah and may Allah grant us the tawfiq to remember him at night in tahajjud. اللهم انت السلام وانك السلام تواقف يا الجلال والإكرام اللهم يا حي يا قيوم برحمتك نستغيه اللهم يا حنان يا منان لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إنا كنا من الظالمين اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم اغفر لنا اللهم اغفر لنا وارحمنا وعافنا واهدنا وارزقنا اللهم اهدنا واهدنا وجعلنا هداة لمن اهتدى اللهم إنا نسألك العفو والعافية في الدين والدنيا والآخرة يا الله have your special mercies upon us يا الله facilitate for us يا الله grant us your love Grant us your love. Oh Allah, grant us your love. Oh Allah, allow us to be like these people that we've just spoken about. Allow us to correct our understanding of you. Allow us to give you preference that you are entitled to. Oh Allah, grant us the ability to remember you frequently, to thank you, to take our attention away from other things, our love away from other things and make it for your sake only and grant us your love and the love of those whose love will benefit us. Make our surroundings conducive for your worship. Oh Allah, oh Allah, we ask you for your special mercies. We ask you for your special generosities. Oh Allah, for your special attention, for your care, for your grace, 
you have given us so much more than so many others in this world that we can't even start thanking you. We can never thank you enough. Oh Allah, we wear the clothes that we want. We drive what we want. We eat whatever comes to our mind. Oh Allah, oh Allah, we thank you for all of these blessings. Oh Allah, we ask you not to deprive us. We ask you to grant us your afiyat to grant us your beneficial knowledge, to grant us your thanks. Oh Allah, grant us your thanks. Grant us the ability to thank you. Oh Allah, allow us to want to meet you. Oh Allah, make our last portion of our life better than the previous portions of our life. And oh Allah, we ask that you grant us kalima la ilaha illallah on our deathbed and allow us to have this desire to meet you on the day of judgment and you not turn away from us and we not be among those who you refuse to speak to that you do not purify on the day of judgment oh allah bless us with water from the hands of your messenger muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam oh allah bless us and our families and our generations to come and accept us for the service of your deen سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلاما على المرسلين الحمد لله رب العالمين. جزاك الله خير for listening. May Allah سبحانه وتعالى bless you. And if you're finding this useful, you know, as they say, do that like button and subscribe button and forward it on to others. جزاك الله خير. السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته.